When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Gap Down Backer podcast. Um, today we have um, Bates, offensive line coach, and our guest with us. Coach, how you doing? I'm doing well, thanks, Nick. How are you? I'm doing good. Um, I kind of, I mean, we, we, we kind of have a mutual friend. Your special teams coordinator kind of hooked us up for the state clinic, which I want to say right. thank you again for kind of presenting for our state clinic. Um, we, we do, our state association does ap- appreciate that, and you contributing to that. Um, so I wouldn't be reminisced if I didn't at least mention that in there as well for anybody that's not gotten on the state clinic. Coaches got got some stuff on there as well. Um, but I mean, you you you've had a long coaching journey. How did you end up? Oh, it, this is really back at Bates. I should phrase it that way. Yeah, you know, I started. I was I was working for an insurance company, and I was a year into it, and I got promoted, and I hated it. <laughs> and a teammate of mine was the offensive line coach at Bates, and was taking a. GA spot at Dartmouth and asked me if I wanted to coach football. That was 43 years ago. <laughs> so I came to Bates for two years. Um, from Bates, I got a full-time, I went to Princeton for a year, then I got a full-time job at the Merchant Marine Academy. We had some success at Kings Point. I went back to my alma mater. I was there for three different head coaches and four trips to the playoffs. So it was a positive experience. Uh, when I left, I left Colgate for a head coaching job at Canisius, and they dropped football shortly into my coaching tenure there. So from Canisius, I came to Wagner for a year. Uh, and then we went to Central Connecticut. They, Central Connecticut had been 16 straight losing seasons, and we went back-to-back championships our first two years there. And then we left there and went to Fordham. Fordham was 1-10 and 10 the year before we got there, and in the second year we were there, we won the Patriot League. So... I had, had some success as a as a coordinator at that point, and then um, left Fordham for Columbia. Uh, left Columbia for Bryant. They had a coaching change, and I didn't like the coaching change, so I left. I stayed for a year and just didn't like it, so I left. And the head coach got let go at Bryant, and I needed a job and wound up in Maine, back to Maine. <laughs> uh, UNE was starting a program, and it was fun. It was a good. Uh, learning experience to be in a program from the ground up. From you know, nobody knew anything. Um, was there for for three years. I really liked it there. But a good friend of mine became the head coach at Bates, and it was a chance for me to go back to where I started. So, giving him a hand here as the associate head coach and offensive line coach. Okay, coach. Um, I mean, I mean, like I said, and that's one of the things we talked about when I got you for the state clinic. You kind of. You you got you got a wide variety of experiences there, and a lot of them are very good academic institutions that we kind of already talked about as well. Um, and I, I've also talked to your head coach as well. He's a he's a really good dude. Uh, great guy. Does yeah. some great. I mean, you guys are just have a fantastic staff up there. Um, and and thankfully you guys are going to be allowed to at least practice this spring, so you can kind of get ready for the fall. Um, 
but I mean, kind of what I wanted to talk to you about because I'm I'm a big gap scheme guy in general. Um, obviously, gap down backer is the name of the podcast. But um, I wanted to talk to you because we talked a little bit about scheme through text, and um, I wanted to talk about ISO because it's it's slowly become one of my favorite plays over the past couple of years, and. Um, I'm going to kind of let you share the screen so you can kind of get started into it, Coach, and then we can kind of just kind of grind through um, and talk about it and watch some film and um, have some fun with it. Okay. Uh, you know, ISO is a, it, it's an interesting play. I haven't run a lot of it uh, when I started getting into the no-huddle stuff, and then we kind of came back to it a little bit at, U, at UNE. But, um, again, we talked about my experience there. Uh in terms of schemes, you know, I was a wing T guy. I played in the wing T and I coached the wing T my first job at the Merchant Marine Academy. Um, at Colgate, we were a traditional I ISO power toss. So I lived, we lived and died by, by the ISO, by the power, by the toss play. Uh, when I went to Canisius, I brought Colgate's offense with me, uh, kind of worked in the read RPO stuff at, Central Connecticut and Fordham. And then uh, at Bryant, we were more traditional ISO, I toss power deal. And then again, at UNE, we're back to, a, I think, a blend of both. You know, I, I went back and I looked at the the, the tailback yardage in the, the uh, four years I was the coordinator. And in year one, our, tailback had six, our tailbacks had 1,603 yards. In year two, they had 1,353. Uh, and then 1424 in year one at Central Connecticut, um, and 1324, and then 10, 1094. So we've had success. We've had a lot of success with with the you know most of that or a good part of that. I shouldn't say most of it. A good part of it was was ISO. Um, okay. You know the term ISO is short for isolation. It refers to a single blocker on the play side uh, defender. We're going to isolate the play side linebacker. The ISO, you know, there's three different types of schemes, zone, man, and uh, and gap, okay? And ISO can get very complicated, very, very complicated. But if you simplify it to blocking the down lineman and the backside inside backer, you can, you can scheme it up against anything. And the, the thing with ISO is you've got to introduce the scheme every week because it could be a little bit different because it is tied into the, the the alignment of the defense, and, and you're gonna like you're gonna like to play against certain fronts, or you're not gonna like it against. Um, you know the backfield sets, wing T roots, uh, belly lead is really ISO. Yeah. Okay. And when I learned belly lead, you know, with the halfback leading through on on the linebacker and the fullback, the belly path, the the reverse pivot, and the belly path of the of the fullback took took care of the timing between the first block and the fullback getting the ball. There's got to be some some kind of separation there. Okay, in traditional I formation with a lead blocker. Okay, the same thing with the reverse pivot. You know, he buy, buys time again to create separation. Okay, and depth of the tailback creates vision for the tailback. So you don't want to get the ball. You don't want the exchange to happen too too soon. You don't want the tailback on top of the lead blocker, and you don't, you know, you you want the lead blocker. You want the tailback to have some vision there. 
So I think that's an important element of it. Okay. Pistol kind of gives you the best of both worlds. Okay. It's the flexibility. It creates the reads to either side and it, and it allows for the tailback vision and consistency in footwork. And, you know, I, I transitioned from a, a spread, no huddle or from an eye formation to a spread, no huddle deal. And it's different footwork for the tailback. You know, when you're in an offset one way or the other, there's different aiming points. There's, it's just a different, I think the play takes on a different kind of character. Um, if you go back in the pistol, not, now you don't have to have different reps. Your, your, your guys getting consistent reps, you know, from, you know, downhill deal. And it can, it also comes into play on what kind of tailback you have. Okay. <clears throat> Place, uh, a two-man blocking scheme play side, okay, and then a three-man surface play side, okay. That'll create different schemes for you. ISO to the tight end and ISO to the split end, open end, is a different play. It's similar. It has a lot of the carryover, but it's still a different scheme that your kids have to learn. Yeah, I agree, Coach, because okay. from my experience, I mean, because that's, uh, like, we were wing T the past couple of years, and that was kind of the thing, like, unlike, say, like, zone left and zone right, um, it's fairly the same scheme, whether you have a tight end there or not, to, for the most part, like inside zone. Whereas right. as, as when you're talking ISO, it's the blocking has to change for running it weak or strong side at that point. It does. Yeah, it does. You know, so you can have a two, three, or four-man surface, um, or you can read it on the back yeah. side. You know, um, you can also read the third level if, if you've had the box blocked. A lot of we got into a lot of third level safety reads. If you do that, the unblocked guy has to be, you have to have the box blocked. You can't not block the box and have a free guy in the box because you're reading the safety. So, you know, that again, that involves some scheming. You know, if, if you read the second level, all right, you must have a way to replace the second level with a receiver. Okay, that's just pretty simple. I think simple and straightforward. So here's a couple, you know, a couple looks. Here's to a three uh, ISO to the weak side to a to a uh, an inside shade on the guard. Okay, so the center is going to take care of the Mike linebacker here. We're going to ISO the will, um, and then the Sam will be will be blocked by the tackle guard combination. Or if he's wider, then the tackle will step out to the tight end and help the tight end and the. Uh, the inclination is to help the tight end because he's usually a weaker blocker. But if you can't block a nine technique, then you're playing with the wrong guy. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll you know we'll get pushed. We like to get double teams wherever we can. We'll get pushed on the down guy and come off on that backer there. Okay. And then if you're doing it to a nose, I like the uphill double team. Uh, because you can keep your leverage there. Whereas when you scoop, okay, like on our next picture, when you scoop, there's a really good chance that that backside backer is going to get over the top because it's uphill for us, okay? And whereas the down block double team is downhill for us, and we can we can keep that leverage. So there's a look at it there. And then um, where is the will? Okay, downhill double equals leverage. Uphill double creates flow. And then it gets into who, who are we keying. Um, I've talked a lot about 
I started out keying the open gap. Okay, I had vision in the open gap. And then, you know, I listed David Walker. I don't know if you've ever heard of him speak, and he was excellent. And we got into keying the open gap, but knowing where that backside linebacker is, because that's the guy that's making the tackle. Um, and you'll see a couple cuts on the uh, clips on the cutoff where that backside backer flies over the top, and our tailback sees it and cuts back, and he's running to the air. You know, there's no, there's nobody there. He's he's left. So, um, when you throw two tight ends in, now you got you know you got a lot of stuff going on here. And then when people start bringing safeties down in the box, you got to make people aware of it. So, you can get as sophisticated with your ISO schemes as you want, or as simplistic. And we tried to keep it simplistic. You know, um, when you're when you get in a pistol with no tight end. You're going to get X amount of surfaces so your kids can get the same amount of reps. And I'm a big believer in, you know, you can teach anything, but once a kid's got to think past step three, he's not going to play. He's going to slow down at all. Now, now, uh, curiosity, when you put this together, because you, you mentioned blocking against different fronts, is it you need to know the front and that's how you'll block it? Or is there specific rules so we can make, like your guard make specific calls like in the wing tee? No, we didn't. I, I, I tried to lessen, eliminate the calls when not necessary. Okay. So we didn't we didn't make calls on that. We just knew which linebacker we're going to. That's the call we made. Okay. All we make coming coming up is what linebacker is the offensive line responsible for, and then where they're going to get there, how they're going to get to that guy. Then then the calls would come in. You know, chip, scoop, those kind of things. Okay. But, but our center comes out and he identifies in each in every run play, every pass play, which linebacker the offensive line is responsible for because that's how we phrase our rules. We have the four down and the backside linebacker, you know. Um, then it makes it pretty easy. Really, when the kids get confused and, and think about this, when we go, when the tight end is on the backside or we go two tight ends, there's a ton of different looks that tight end could get on the backside. So you just got to make sure you cover those and find a way to, to say it simple. You know, you're responsible for X. And you're going to see there's one clip, you know, uh, best path to the backside linebacker. That, that, that's what his, you know, the eighth guy in the box, That's that's that was his rule one year. And you can see how he sorts it out. And actually on the clip that you're going to see, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He winds up, he gets nervous and he blocks the corner, you know, so... The, the creating more formations out of this or when you create this out of more formations creates more issues for you to remember. Okay. So I just, I've evolved to, for me, it's a pistol play with a lead blocker. All right. You know, some considerations. All right. What type of run, uh, tailback do you have? Is he a physical North short runner? Okay. Or is he an East West speed and shape guy? he's a physical guy, get in the pistol. If he's a speed guy, I would say get in the, get in the, you know, offset because uh, the threat of speed sweep and outside runs is, is, is something people will have to defend if that's the kind of guy that you have. Okay. Can your quarterback play with his eyes? Okay. Or does he, does he guess? If he plays with his eyes, then you can run RPOs and raise. If he guess, then those RPOs, turn into play action pass. If he, the 
those reads turn into called quarterback runs. And Nick, in 42 years, the defense got to defend both. They don't know what you're going to do. So your alignment and the threat of reading it will slow the defense down. Exactly. Yeah. But if you just get in the eye formation, there's nothing to slow them down with. You follow me? Yeah. Then they know it's play action pass or they know it's, you know, triple option or whatever. But once once you offset that halfback, now now you're into the read game. It hurts your bootleg game because they're gonna slow the backside end down. So that that's something to be conscious of. My my second year at Central Connecticut, we had five hundred and thirty one yards and called quarterback runs. That was almost eleven hundred yards for tailback runs. So it creates a third back, you know, whether you're reading it or whether you're calling it, this, you know, this, these things create a third back for you. <clears throat> and then things you got to talk about are split and alignment. You know, we were, we, we cheat our splits, you know, where if there's a guy next to you, you're two feet. If there's nobody in that gap, you're three ski, three feet, open the gap up. And people don't, they may catch on. I don't know, but it hasn't, hasn't really hurt us. And we're back off the ball a little bit because of the zone game. Now, I mean, you mentioned splits a little bit there while, while you're pulling up the film. Um, how much do you guys mess with, like, smart splits on your line so you can kind of leverage, like, your down-blocking angles and other stuff? Whatever whatever makes our kids feel comfortable. Okay. You know, I'll let, I let, I let them cheat because that's what's important, where our kids feel like they can execute what we're going to do. I don't yeah. care if the defense knows it. they got to defend everything. I'll, I'll, I'll be quiet during the white cuts. So we're going to get a, a double team with the left guard and center, two base blocks with the right guard and right tackle. Base blocks front side with the left guard and tackle or excuse, with the tight end and left guard, and then there's your lead blocker. And you see that line, that backside backer, he's the guy we're clean, where our aiming point is is the open gap. Yeah. And then, then we're going to see peripherally, we're going to see the backside linebacker. Yeah. Well, that's I like from my experience that double team has to get either push or somebody be able to chip off to get to that backside. Right. Exactly, which I think is easier when you're coming downhill at it yeah. as opposed to scooping it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I, I I've seen I've seen teams I well I see guys like both and I see the advantages disadvantages of both. The problem is the scoop doesn't always necessarily get there. That's what I mean. You got to read yeah. the flow in the scoop definitely. But here here we leverage them here. Cause you got a one technique, so that's pretty good. That's good vision by the by the. Uh, yeah. I try not to overcoach the tailbacks. You know what I tell them is one cut and put your foot in the ground and go. Usually, if they cut two or three gaps, they're going to get tackled. Yeah. Here's a here's a uphill scoop on the backside, and we don't get there. It's a good job of the tailback staying on his path, seeing the backside backer and trying to come behind him.
the advantage to a run in this, if you're a spread team, is it changes the tempo. The, the ball carrier almost climbs on the defense quicker than it would in zones, in zone plays. So you can kind of, I like doing, I like jumping in this, uh, in, you know, a quick hurry up huddle deal, line up and run it, and you kind of jump the defense a little bit. This is just a straight ahead deal here. Coach, I think your center does a great job at yeah, he does. chipping and climbing. That's a fantastic. Yeah. yeah, he was a good player. This is against Coastal Carolina, I think. Good cut. Go back to that, Coach. So this is a little scheme. This is this is this is a cross scheme here. I don't know why uh, or tight end is confused on this play. I'm just confused by the back. defensive alignment, Coach. That's yeah. what I, <laughs> I think. That, that I think that might be the problem. Is the, the alignment you saw there was a little odd. A little screwed up. Yeah. yeah, I mean a nose and what was that like a seven eye? That's a bit. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's the problem we run into with ISO out of multiple formations is you're going to get some looks that you can't fucking cover. Yeah. You know, which is why if you have a gap on outside rule, it, it helps. This tailback was actually a fullback who was just a good football player. And just finds a little seam in there and gets four yards. I didn't want to jump that far ahead there. Good coach. I just, I, like, as I'm watching this, because, I mean, as a wing T team, we've done more scooping than true double. But I'm just noticing mm -hmm. how important that that double to the backside is. Just, and I'm, I'm kind of, sure. kind of repeating myself, but it's just. How well that that was coached is just impressive. I mean, this guy almost stems out out of his hole there. You see it? Yeah. All right, here's here now here here is the spread version of ISO. Now how much how much change did that cause for you when you went from the as you evolved this over the years, how much how much did that change your blocking and or maybe offensive line technique? In going the spread as opposed to just being in the yeah, eye. Instead of running under the eye, does that cause any true any any true changes in terms of line line blocking or uh, technique? Just that I've 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 cut down the formations I'm going to run ISO out of. Okay. 
You know, right now, it'll be a short yardage, two tight end play for us, but then it will be a no tight end fullback lead play for us. So that that reduces the number of reps we need to get at it. We don't need to look at six different ISOs each week. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so that cuts your teaching down. So your kids get, get used to what you're doing. And by, by week two, they're telling me what to do. <laughs> Which is what you want. Yeah. I mean, that's really what you want. But for Division three offensive line, these kids were pretty good. They weren't as athletic, but they were tough kids and they were smart. So this was a ring. This is just another wrinkle, Nick. Let the motion guy be the lead blocker. There's plenty of teams that motion the guy and let him block off the backside edge. Not many lead him up into the hole. Now and it can be pretty pretty effective. Now I'm looking at both your like, whether it be your tackle, your tight end, your edge guys is why we all call them. Um, is, is their main focal point is to just force their their the outside box defenders wide? Is that kind of the main? Focal point for you is don't let anybody cross your face let, and just push them, push, Correct. push yes. them up field. Yes. Okay. Keep, keep, keep the box clean. Yes. Yeah. Well, this is a great job by the motion guy. Watch the motion guys block. I I think that's because we did a lot of that with our wing T stuff, like, with our, like slide motion with mm-hmm. one of our wings. I, I thought that was some of our best stuff. That use motion to get an extra lead blocker in there, especially for we call belly, which is ISO for you guys. Just right. I I think that's the um, best way to go. Any, any kind of movement on offense makes the defense yeah play slower. They got to play slower. They got to figure out what to do. I mean, this is. This is great because we got a we got a, we don't have a lot of defenders over here, you know. I mean, they're counting on the, the safety to make that block. And you know as I do, so when you start when you're talking Division two, Division three college football, that's not always a guaranteed thing. Is no. it is in Division one? I'll take that play any day. Yeah. What? I'm confused by the field, Coach. Is that a baseball? Yeah, that's at um, that's at the other school in Maine, and and they're yeah, it's on their baseball field. Basically. Okay, I, I I looked at it. I'm just like I'm confused here for a second. <laughs> that's interesting. Okay, there you go. So I have a couple RPOs coming up here, which are interesting. You'll see. Now, how easy was uh, curiosity as as we get to those? How easy of a transition was that for you from a time management standpoint and other factors to add the RPOs and the ease of install for them? For me, when I was in charge, it was easy because we would take I would I would take a day. Here's how you have to game plan for RPOs. What are your best runs? 
How are people defending them? How are they reacting to them? And then if they're if they're reacting to them where they're coming into the box at a high pace, uh, and you'll see, then you can tag an RPO to your, your main play and have it be effective. They can't do both. They can't stop your best run and defend an RPO off of it. It's just impossible. But if you're just going to scheme up an RPO based on what you do, you don't know if it's going to work or not. Because you don't know how the people, the key to RPOs is the reaction of the defense to that backfield action and what the quarterback's doing. So you'll see some pretty good examples of it. Are you still linked team now, Nick? Uh, no. No, I, I I've switched schools since then. Um, I took an OC job this off season. We 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 will be a, a, a we will be in the gun as much as I do, I enjoy the wing tee. That's just my, it's, a, it's a good way to learn football. Oh yeah, I, I I've spent a little over more. How I won't phrase this. I've spent probably a little over half my career in either um, double wing or wing tee. And probably seven of the ten years in gap scheme, primary gap schemes. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in really. I don't know. I mean, outside of like my first two years, I, we haven't really been. Um, it's all been gap or man schemes. That's really what it's been everywhere I've been. Um, I'm, right. trying, I'm trying to actually think back now. Outside of those two years, I mean, I, I know I when I was on the defensive side at Westland, I think we ran a little bit of zone, but we were mostly a power read team that year. Um, our head coach loved power read and we had a quarterback and a running back that could just run the crap out of it. Uh, our, our quarterback that year was a bulldozer. Um, yeah, I mean, actually really probably two of the years of the 10 are, were, were zoned. But we also had... Here's something you got to talk about. You see this backer walking up? Yeah. You got to make a decision. Are, are you, is he uptight enough to treat him as a down lineman? Yeah. Or, you know... Or, or is your fullback going to be able to take care of them? That's okay. just a personnel thing. And is there a communication aspect when people start moving on you for the line and the backs to know what's going on for that? Um, no, the, they're usually on the same page. Okay. It's more It's you know. more from like practice reps and kind of simulate that in practice. Okay. Yes. Okay, so we watch film, and they like to get their guy in the box, right? So we're going to read him. We're going to pull it and throw it. There's nobody yet. Now it's one-on-one with the safety, which I'll take any day. But this, this play was game-planned off of watching them do this, getting extra guys in the box during the course of a play. Tough to defend both.
So the quarterback saw the saw the safety cheating over a little bit. And even though this is a read, he knew he was going to pull it. He's cheating over to the middle of the field. The outside guy's cheating down. That's his read. Bang. That's like too easy. And there's a, there's a little bit of an art to the RPOs. I, you know, I tell our kids, I, you know, I tell our quarterback coach, I, I don't care if he throws 10 incompletes in practice. We can't let people gang up on the, in the box on us. Yeah. Just can't let it happen. Scroll that back, coach. So you're just you're just for that you're just reading the front side inside all the play front side, side inside here. Yeah, yep. okay. That's that, yeah, that's pretty simple. Just a slant. Yeah, that's a pretty easy window. Look at yeah. that window. I think there's one more after this. Yeah. Now, is your, what, what is your quarterback out there? Is his heels at five? What is your standard rule for the pit, pistol yeah, and the gun? Yeah, heels at five. Heels at five, okay. I know everybody's a little different on their where their feet yep. are. Some are toes at five, heels at five, toes at four and a half. Well, here we're we're here we're reading the the will linebacker. See it? Yeah. Two steps. It's all it takes. You know, with that alignment of the corner, their underneath coverage is creeping out of there. There's no nothing there. Yeah. We don't tell our linemen anything different other than the, uh, the backside tackle okay. on RPOs. We don't want a guy running through free, but everybody else we're blocking the play. Okay. Well, that works, coach. That make that makes perfect sense. Um, so, kind of, I mean, last couple questions before we wrap up. Um, obviously, that's evolved for you over the course of your career. Um, and, and you mentioned reading it as well. Is there any? Is there anything that you've? How do I word this? What What do you think is the kind of the next evolution of it? Since you've kind of seen it evolve from wing T to I formation to pistol. Um, I know you can do like quarterback ISO with it, two out of the gun. But is there is there anything else that? Because I obviously you don't want to get too formationally with it with how you block it because then it just creates some conflicts. It, well, you know, here's what I found, Nick, and, and our, our offensive coordinator is, you know, he was with me my first three years, and then we separated, and he went out and learned every offense in the world. <laughs> and, 
you can get to a point where you have too much. Okay. You know, you've got to kind of decide what you are. And what you are is really going to be based on what kind of players you can get. You know, and if can you get kids to do the things that you want to be able to do? You know, if you don't have a quarterback who can play with his eyes, then just call it. You know, just call different things. If you have a quarterback who's a 5-4-40, don't be running the ball with him. You know, let him hand it to somebody who's fast. So, you know, I think you know, necessity is the mother of invention. I think as you as you grow as a coach and you evolve, um, you're going to gravitate towards certain things. And you got to remember, people are doing things for a reason, not just because they worked against somebody. Yeah. You know, um, because their kids can do that um, in, 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 its, in its productive form. You know, so there's a lot of, a lot of give and take, you know, a lot of experimenting going on in the course of your career where you're going to find I'm going to gravitate towards this because it's worked before. And and that's okay. You know, that's okay. As long as where you're at now, you know, the same factors are involved with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes 100% sense. And I, I got I got two more questions for you before we wrap up, Coach. Um, did, you showed a couple formations there. Like I said, you keep it very simple with your formations. But did you do you have a personal preference of which one you think gives you the best advantage from your experience? This is what I do each week. I watch on Sunday. I'm just going to watch games. I'm okay. just going to watch people line up and look at personnel and stuff, and then see what formations put their defense into an advantage advantageous spot for. So uh, the the formation I like are the ones each week that I feel will work against them, and also that our kids are comfortable with. And then the last thing I got for you, because I'm asking a lot of offensive coaches this, is do you guys, or, or whether because I know you're still fairly new there at Bates, um, or any of your recent spots, do you track explosive plays as yes. the season go on? And then what, what one, what do you consider explosive plays? And then what do you specifically look at? We were looking at runs over 10 and passes over 20. Okay. Now do you now do you look at when you're looking at explosive plays? Do you look at what plays were explosive against the opposing defense and prior film you had as well? Is that something you Absolutely. specifically look at? That, that, I'll, 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 the last thing I'll watch on Sunday night are big plays against the, the opponent we're going to play. Okay. So now, I'll, I'll watch a cut up that has you know productive plays, four runs, four yards or more, passes, twelve more yards or more. And then I'll look at big play deals. And okay. that, that gives me a kind of a feel for where, where their weaknesses are, you know? All right. No, no, that, that, yeah, like I said, that's something I've been, I've been looking at because I've been reading some studies on some stuff and some other information that I'm just kind of curious about. So I want to see what – everybody's got a little bit different number for explosive sure. plays. I'm trying to figure out I'm, – I'm, like I said, I'm just curious because I, I, I'm starting to look at data for a variety of things as, as we're putting stuff together. So, um, well, Coach, I appreciate you coming on. That was fun. Yeah, I always like I always like watching film. Um, here, uh, coaches, uh, make sure you give coach a follow on Twitter. Um, coach's Twitter will be in the bio. Um, if you want to support the channel, link to our Patreons, Patreon, Patreon. I can never pronounce it correctly. Is down below. If you want to support the channel, help uh, make sure the stuff keeps running and take care of some new equipment for the the channel. Um, it also gives you access to some some extra bonus stuff, um, and then. 
Um, thank you again for listening. Also, give this video a like, share it so people can see it, so we can spread uh, Coach's information and uh, so people can get get a hold of him. Uh, Coach, Coach Hall and I have a podcast every Sunday called Frostbite Football. We have some great guests. We just had Mark Murphy, the president of the Green Bay Packers, on. Uh, and then uh, this past week was the offensive line coach at Villanova, Sean Devine. So we've got some pretty good guests. It's about football and life. It's not a lot of X's and O's, but it's a, hopefully a lot of common sense. And um, you can you can get it on Spotify. Frostbite Football on Spotify. And, co and coaches, that link will be in the bio of this video as well. Um, and then any of you that follow us on the Facebook group, I know Coach Hall has started putting the link to that in there as well, if you've not seen it yet as well. Um, so please okay. check that out. Like I said, Coach Hall and Coach Argas are, are, are awesome guys. And uh, please make, make sure you reach out to them. Thank you again.